I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Podcast like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's night. Welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999. I'm your host, Phil Liskov. And this week, we're going to do another two-part sort of episode. The first half will be with uh, Danette Chavez from uh, AV Club uh, talking about ancient history, the Felicity episode, basically the kind of the one after she cuts her hair the most, I guess, if, if that's the way to look at it. But um, after that, we also have Amy Smart coming on. Uh, we recorded an episode with her about the uh, character of Ruby that she plays on the show for a handful of episodes. She has a pretty long run. But um, we talk about the audition process. We talk about what it was like for her um, jumping into a show uh, in its second season and being a, you know, a recurring character. So uh, check that out after our interview or our episode that is with uh, Danette. Welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999. I'm your host, Phil Liskov. And with us today is Danette Chavez, uh, TV editor at the AV Club. She's here to talk about episode 203, uh, Ancient History. Um, but before we get to that, um, where were you in 1999, Danette? In Illinois. I was already, okay. <laughs> right? Okay. Just keep it nice and vague. I, uh-huh. I, I, was, I was actually in college when the show came out, so I very much watched it live. Did it uh, speak to your college experience, or did you feel like it? Did it help you through your college experience in any way, or? It was a little bit of wish fulfillment, and not just because there were like nobody who looked like the Catholic Felicity <laughs> went to my school. Sure. <laughs> Um, but this, you know, just somebody actually um, rejecting this uh, pre-written plan for them because, like, I'm one of seven kids, and there was just oh, no wow. question 
that we were all going to school. It was just like, yeah, when you get done with high school, you're going to college. Like, you know, it's just w- w- that path was laid out. And I think um, this show, yeah, like I, I think what appealed to me the most was, you know, that she did make this very big decision early on. Um, so I, I guess this is a, sort of a, a bigger question. And you covered Felicity for the AB Club to some yeah. extent, did you not? Right. So um, you've seen the entire series. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I guess the the one of the things that this show gets dinged with is this somewhat anti-feminist idea, which is that girl follows boy to New York. Um, but I don't necessarily feel like that's really the show's impetus. Like it's really about a girl trying to figure out who she wants to be. Um, and as we'll get into, when we get into this episode, we're really at a fork in the road for Felicity in terms of her kind of throwing everything away, everything, even that we knew from season one of this show. And I think that that sort of, um, that fearlessness is great television, but I would also imagine that being a woman in college, that must've been exciting to watch in and of itself. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I'm not sure if you're going to want to talk about, you know, whether or not it's feminist or not. I mean, that's something that comes up so much uh, when we talk about any kind of pop culture, particularly like woman centered stuff. And, you know, not everything about women is inherently feminist. Not everything um, romantic is inherently anti-feminist. Um I mean, I, I think the pilot actually clears that up fairly quickly because I agree. She, she says, you weren't the reason, you were the excuse. Um, so, and I mean, maybe it's just because I saw so much of myself mm-hmm. in Felicity um, because she really was, um, I, you guys talked about this on a previous episode when you had Alana Bennett, who mm-hmm. is wonderful. Um, she is. <laughs> you, you talked a bit um, about like the pregnant pauses, about mm-hmm. how much air the show leaves in, in, you know, in between characters. And we hadn't, I don't think there had really been a lead on TV like Felicity. Somebody who, like a, a woman who was just uh, much more introspective you know, like somebody that, because especially when you look at the other WB shows, everybody was just like popping, you know, like, you know, zingers flying sure. back and forth. Even somebody like Joey Potter, who, you know, wasn't super mature. Like, I mean, she talked like a 27-year-old New Yorker writer, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I, I think that that's what made this show so unusual. Like when I wrote about it, I think I even, I'd like, when I look back on that, I feel like I was almost kind of like, you know, th- th- there's a self-consciousness in that piece um, because it's like, mm, you know, it didn't accomplish what other teen dramas accomplished. But when I think about it, you know, we just, we had really not had a female character like this before somebody who, thought a lot about what she said before she said it, which isn't to dismiss any or disparage any other characters, but you rarely saw that in women on TV where, you know, like they were just kind of quietly mulling things over. And I mean, 
you know, she was also just like super judgmental and she gets called out on the show for it a lot, which was definitely me at 19. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think that we had a, I I just recorded an episode with Karina McKenzie uh, for the previous episode. Um, And we talked a little bit about how so many of these characters literally say the words, I don't know what to say a lot. Mm -hmm. And and I don't mean that in a bad way. I love the fact that these characters are desperately trying to figure out how to articulate themselves because that is so your 20s. I mean, you are trying to figure out who you are. You're trying not to offend people. You're trying to sort of become the best version of yourself. And that's one of the things that I love about this show is that all of these characters are a work in progress. They all acknowledge that they're a work in progress. Um, and, and that's... Um, so rare. It's also possible why, and I've talked about this a little bit in other episodes, but why college shows tend not to get made Um, because there's such an influx time in your life. um, And the stakes aren't necessarily all that much higher than a high school show. And yet with high school shows, it's all firsts, right? It's first kisses. It's first loves. It's first everything. This is a time in your life where you're like, a mess <laughs> and, yeah. and that might not necessarily make for the best television. But um, so uh, did you, you were watching, were you watching a fair amount of television in 99? Were there other shows that also spoke to you back then? Um, so I was, I, I think I was watching everything on the WB. Sure. Okay. <laughs> and then because we had like, I think eight channels in my dorm. One of them was, I want to say it was lifetime. And so we wa- like I watched all of the Golden Girls. Nice. <laughs> so like in 1999, I like like my the the people that I most identified with on TV were Felicity Porter and Dorothy Spornak. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, who doesn't love Dorothy? I mean, <laughs> she's the best. Um, so I'm just going to give a very brief synopsis of this episode uh, sure. for the people that haven't watched it. But after a curriculum discussion with another student, Ruby, played by Amy Smart, uh, Felicity realizes she's drawn to art rather than pre-med. Changing her courses, then changing her courses, then puts Felicity in the same class with Noel, who fears she's out to sabotage him. Meanwhile, Julie finally moves out of the loft, much to Sean's chagrin. Uh, it's a bumpy transition, but uh, Noel ends up being a real friend when Felicity needs him near the end of the episode. Ben and Sean convince Julie to continue living in the loft with them. Ancient History aired on October 10th, 1999, and it was written by Andrea Newman and directed by Keith Samples. Um, we actually have Amy Smart as a guest at the uh, after this episode, so I'm talking with Amy after this. Uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm very excited about that. Uh, but... I want to kind of talk about, first of all, we need to talk about Ruby just in general, because I love Amy Smart in this role. And I actually really love this role. I think they do her kind of dirty a little bit (laughs) uh, in terms of the way that the character ultimately arcs out. What are your thoughts on that? Um, Okay. So, yeah, (laughs) you're right that Amy Smart is so great in this. She's so great. um, You know, she, like... She is this, uh, I mean, she's a bit like precocious, right? Like when she and Noel meet this episode and, or, you know, like after they've had that like bad introduction and, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're flying back and forth with like the computer talk and he all but says that they're compatible because she's also <laughs> a Mac person, right? Which made my heart swell. I just love it. <laughs> but anyway. Um, I mean, yeah, she starts off like this great, cause you know, like 
it is a college show as, as much as it's Felicity's journey, it's a college show. Right. And mm-hmm. in uh, the second season, she get like, she's in the position of being an advisor, right? Like she's presumably learned something she can uh, pass on and she's like, weirdly not great at it <laughs> I, I, I was in a way I, I was kind of like oh you know I, I would imagine she'd be great at taking someone under her wing because she's very caring but I think it's again it's that whole not being able to just spit out your feelings at once like makes you maybe not great at giving advice um I have to say I think one of my big hang up with Ruby and uh Noel early on is the fact that she's a freshman and he's a junior right yeah and Felicity was also an underclassman, yeah. <laughs> and I'm just kind of like, no. No, it's got to get in his age bracket a little bit. I, I, yeah. I hear that for sure. I, I think there's also something to to piggyback on what you were saying about um, Felicity being an RA with Megan. Um, together, like if you were able to take both of their strengths as RAs, they'd be a really good RA. But individually, like their weaknesses, it, it's it's just interesting. In the previous episode, you have the whole Gretchen storyline with the list and her trying to, uh, to sort of, um, I don't know, accommodate her boyfriend, however you want to say it. And Megan being like, don't give her the attention. And Felicia's like, that's our job. Like, so she obviously (laughs) runs off and starts talking to Gretchen and, and tries to be there for her. And in this episode, we see a somewhat similar dynamic, um, of her going through the course, uh, handbook or course, I don't know, course book. Um, and walking through the classes and realizing how many amazing art classes there are and that she wants to do these art classes. And then Ruby wants to take some super rando course that makes no sense. But, <laughs> but it does show a side of Felicity that is, to your point, um, very sweet, but also very naive. Yeah. So like it's that, that naivete doesn't actually make her a particularly good RA. Yes. <laughs> so, um, but Ruby is, and, and Amy Smart is just, she, she really radiates all the best qualities in a freshman. Mm-hmm. Uh, that naivete, that earnestness, that like wide eyed and bushy tail component to, to the character that is really great. Um, but as sort of we get deeper into it and, and, and ultimately, this this miniseries is going to end at the at the midpoint of season two because that's when it stopped airing in 1999. So I want to talk a little bit about sort of the the back half of of Ruby's character, who unfortunately feels a little bit like I, I wonder whether or not Ruby could have become a series regular, and I wonder whether or not had they really invested in the Noel and Ruby relationship it would have actually fed the love triangle more, but they kind of, it's like a middle step of like, she was, was around for like 14 episodes or something mm-hmm. like that. Like she's around for a while, yeah. but then they kind of just like yank the rug out from underneath her and ship her off to be pregnant. <laughs> it's a bummer. Yes. Um, no, it, it's interesting that you say that because I think this is, um, I mean, like, I think Felicity's second season is a prime example of the sophomore slump. You know, like, mm. there are some very good episodes. I think Ancient History is a very, is like one of the show's best episodes. Yeah. Um, for like a few, you know, because I, I think this show, uh, or sorry, this episode, uh, more than any other in the second season speaks to, um, Felicity, you know, speaks to her indecision being as much like it, it's just general indecision. Mm-hmm, it's what mm-hmm. any 19 year old would be going through. It's not just Ben and Noel. It's, 
you know, um, just not knowing what to do with her life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, uh, I think JJ Abrams talked about this way back in like 2000 or something about how the show became less focused in the second season. And I think that, you know, it's the growing pains, right? Where you're adding new characters. Like, Right. I'm thinking about other, for some reason, Saved by the Bell keeps coming into my mind, but when you okay. like, um, maybe, maybe Violet, maybe Screech's girlfriend wasn't actually an underclassman. <laughs> but uh, I, I don't, I never watched Saved by the Bell, sorry. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I'm from uh, Canada, so we didn't really get okay. it up there. <laughs> um, well, it, it's just, you know, like, you met, like, she, she actually would have been a great addition. I mean, she was a great addition to the cast. I think they just, struggled to figure out how to like i mean you know uh there there's the whole like you can't we they understood the love triangle was you know the meat of the show so any but like i mean the reality is anybody that they meet you know it's like on friends you know where like somebody shows up is kind of you know like they have to be a viable romantic prospect but in the yeah i mean i i think the, the way that she's written off is i mean she was a freshman they could have just as easily oh had God, her yeah. say like i'm i'm gonna change schools you know like yeah. I, I met somebody else but the the running it's, off to be married yeah it's it's also just i mean it's interesting too because um ruby also sparks the uh the i don't know what you would call it um the birth control storyline yeah. Which is also interesting because then in the end she ends up getting pregnant, which I guess maybe is supposed to be ironic. I'm not sure. But what I, what I think is interesting is that this episode to me really feels about uh, it's all about fresh starts, but how you can never really get a fresh start, um, you know, it, it, or a completely fresh start. That is um, the sort of the, the most kind of glaring thing is the haircut, um, yeah. the, the the haircut that that kind of blew up the show. Um, and it's a bell that Felicity and the show can't unring. Um, and, and that in and of itself, I think is kind of great. Like it's a great visual metaphor. It's a great emotional metaphor. Um, you, you can tell that she, that you can tell the show's nervous about the haircut because everyone is like telling her how great the haircut is. Strangers on the street in New York are saying, I love your haircut. Um, So it's, you can tell that they're like, we've really gone for it here. And, and, and they probably just didn't need to be as short as it was. Um, But what are your thoughts on, on not just the haircut? Cause I am curious if you liked the haircut, but also, in terms of the fallout that it had on the show, I think there's a lot of positives that came out of it, but also obviously a lot of negatives too. Um, it's, it's interesting because I think even like the president of the network was like, <laughs> that haircut ruined everything. Right. Like, like she said, yeah. uh, that, you know, like, yeah, that, that it had, it had caused the ratings to take a hit, which I don't think is true. Like, again, like when you look at the whole scene, sure. I like, that her, I've never seen a head of hair like that since, you know, that like <laughs> in one hair and she never gets, she never wears her hair like that again. I don't even think it's like just cause hairstyles change, but because the show understands it can't go back to that. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's, it's hilarious to think now because like, every, I feel like they've made, I, I, I tried to find like, cause I'm sure somebody's put together a list of the number of times that that haircut has been referenced or like parodied, 
and other things, right? I, I couldn't find it. Maybe I didn't do a very good Google search. Um, I mean, Six Feet Under is the one that I remember most where Claire says oh. to her mom, I just want to cut off all my hair like Felicity, um, okay. <laughs> which is amazing. But it's funny, and I don't mean to cut you off, but it's funny that you don't. we're not just feeling it on a pop culture level in terms of like characters within shows. Karina in the last episode talks about how literally they still feel that at Warner Brothers. Like haircuts are crazy on television for showrunners. Yeah. You still feel it today because it was such a seismic thing and it, it just, it changed the complexion of the show in such a way. Um, now part of this is an audience thing, right? Which is that these shows are aimed at a younger audience and younger mm -hmm. audiences are fickle and this, that and whatever. But to your point, I think that we're still feeling it, which is kind of insane. <laughs> yeah. I, I also think that episode is bound to. I mean, I, I guess the haircut technically happens in the previous episode, right? But this is the fallout. Um, I think I think a lot of people are thinking about that episode because everybody's thinking about quarantine haircuts, right? Yeah, like, they really are. Like, I, I'm going to be honest. I was like, oh, I'm like, it's good that we're not really using the video for this because <laughs> my hair is very outgrown, like, and I'm still trying to figure out how I'm going to trim my bangs. And everybody's <laughs> like, oh, just pin them out of the way. Nobody cares. And I'm like, mm. and you know I think your hair looks great today, just for the record. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but well I, I it's what's funny is you know you mentioned like the self-awareness or like almost self-consciousness in the episode um other people got haircuts like ben yes. ha ben has shorter hair yes. and noel has shorter yeah. hair and it's funny because it's almost this solidarity thing but it's also just like people cut their hair guys yeah it's like get over it it's but i'll, I'll say this and, and I'm, I'm curious to your thoughts on on sort of on the kind of the J.J. Abrams of it all, right? Which is, you know, he he gives us a tremendous uh, season finale in season one, which I would argue is one of the best episodes yeah. of the show. Um, and in sort of classic J.J. Abrams style, he blows up the entire show and then says, I'm going to put it all back together mm -hmm. at the top of the next season, which is completely fair. And, and listen, it makes for good television. Um, and th But he continues to throw grenades at the top of this season, where now the show is, is it's just, different. And I don't necessarily think it's worse. I just think that the audience who fell in love with this show, he's now all of a sudden said, oh, all of Felicity's friends hate her. <laughs> She's cut her hair and she doesn't want to be in med school anymore. It's it, it's truly a show rejecting itself mm. um, and trying to figure out what it wants to be or grow into, which to your point is exactly how you feel at that time in your life. So yeah. I think for, for some audience members, that might have been a, a too tall an order for them. Yeah. And, you know, you, you mentioned the show rejecting itself. Um, I mean, Felicity actually faces a lot of rejection this episode, right? Like she thinks, and I, haven't we all done this, right? Where we, you know, where you think to yourself, oh, like, you know, the only, the only thing stopping me is me. Like the only reason I'm not this brilliant mm -hmm. artist is because I have not switched majors. And so she does, or rather mm -hmm. she drops pre-med and then her very first, like, you know, big, you know, class critique. And she is just slammed. She's ready to jump. She's ready to <laughs> run again. Yeah. And I mean, how relatable is that, right? Is that, you know, because, and, and this is what I think the show did so well is that it mm -hmm. found a way to, you know, 
Yeah, like it, like it, it took a lot of emotions that we really just kind of like ascribed to romantic relationships mm -hmm. and, you know, projected them onto different situations because the Julie friendship, you know, mm -hmm. like the, in the next episode, and I'm sorry if I'm stepping over. No, 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 know. no, no, go for it. The depths. Okay. Yeah. The one in the, in the subway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a character, one of the characters on the train says, I don't think you guys were really best friends to begin with like best friends become. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like it's, that's infatuation, right? But it's not infatuation in the way that we're used to seeing it. I mean, not unless, you know, this was secretly, you know, coded a queer, and I, I don't, I actually don't want to kick that up. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, like we're, we're not used to, you know, the idea of outgrowing, uh, outgrowing friendships, like Insecure mm -hmm. is doing this really well right now um, on HBO, but mm -hmm. like, we're not, that's something we're not used to seeing. And I think this show was doing that in the second. I mean, it was trying so many different things in the second season, even before you get to the Twilight Zone episode. Like, Which is it, the best. I love the Twilight Zone so episode. Yeah. You know, but I also think that that's just kind of what you're doing by the time you're in college too, right? Like your second year, you're like, all right, it, it's time to make some choices. You know, it's it's funny. I I a hundred percent agree with everything you're saying. And and parallel to all of that, you have um, a show that's a hit, but you, but a show that I imagine, and I don't want to say that you could get bored with it because it's not that. But I think it's just the desire to shake things up is is profound. Having been in in writers' rooms, you're all kind of sitting there saying like, okay, um, what, what can we do to goose this up? What can we do to to make this feel um, not just different, but exciting and, and, and have an energy to it. And, um, you know, that's a very JJ Abrams instinct as well. You can see it in a lot of his shows, but I would also say too, that for me personally, um, the seasons that I gravitate towards most in my favorite television shows tend to be the ones where they throw a wrench into everything mm. or they just, they, they zig when you think they're going to zag. Um, and it's, it's exciting to watch this season of television at a time when, um, you know, there's a fork in the road in television in 99, you know, the Sopranos premieres in January of 1999. And that is the tectonic shift in everything that we're, we're still feeling to this day. Um, and I just wonder if there was something in the air and if they were just like, let's do it. Let's just, let's, let's go for broke. Let's do a Twilight Zone episode. Let's, let's just really fuck with this thing. Um, that's exciting as a viewer to me. <laughs> but if I was a 13 year old, I might not have been so excited by the choices that were being made. Yeah. Um, I mean, Felicity started off. I mean, Felicity was kind of the dry run for Alias in some ways, right? Like, isn't that what J.J. Abrams said? Like, mm -hmm. he really did want her to be, like, or the idea for Alias was, you know, college student by day, you know, a spy by night or whatever. And mm -hmm. with Felicity, he had to settle for just college student by day. So. Yeah, I mean, the, the rumor is that season two of this show, he was like, can't we just make her a spy? Yeah. And thus, Alias is born. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh yeah. Okay. So that, so I, I think I, I have that, those events out of order, but yeah, like you can, you yes. can see, and I'm sure this is something that you as like a TV creator and writer can sympathize with is, you know, like, can we try something, you know, like th this wasn't exactly what I wanted or, yep. you know, like, can, can we, can we really just try something else? Yeah. It's, I mean, I think that it's, um, 
what what I think you're seeing is, I mean, at this point, it wasn't as though J.J. Abrams hadn't done things. He had written uh, features before this. And, and, you know, he now all of a sudden, I assume, is starting to sense like, well, there's a lot of potential in other things that I might want to do. And that itchiness, you can sense a little bit. Um, He writes a good chunk of the episodes in season two. um, But then he goes off and he he writes and directs Alias and Alias becomes sort of his main thing. He writes a couple more episodes of Felicity down the road, but for the most part, it becomes Alias, then it becomes Lost. And I mean, obviously the rest is history. We all uh, know the the titan of industry that he's become, but it is just really exciting to me to see someone do an episode like The Depths, for instance, which is kind of a bottle episode. It's kind of a play when they're, when they're stuck in the subway, it's really just um, hashing out and, and, I guess my other question to you is how you feel about the fact that these characters, um, they go at things. They like say things that generally speaking wouldn't be said on a television show. For instance, a character saying, I don't think you guys were ever really friends or Ben going up to Felicity in the finale of season one and saying, what was that? Did we almost kiss the other day? Like characters just saying stuff is there's a boldness to it. Um, but also like a, um, (laughs) a fear factor too, that I think is kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I know that her decision to move across the country was, you know, like there are multiple factors there, but it also just, you know, you, you, you can't take Ben out of that equation. Right. So like this show, I mean, you know, and, talk about having a, a, f- a lead female character like you hadn't seen before. Like she does the first huge romantic gesture, which yeah. you so rarely see. Um, and so it makes sense for that to become almost the theme in the show where you, you know, people just kind of speak their minds. And mm-hmm. I, I think she has that problem early on, right. Where she doesn't say a ton, but she, you know, when she does, speak it's to really let somebody know what's on her mind and I, I feel like everybody kind of does that um and I mean you know uh Julie goes on and writes that like really mean song or whatever um yeah it I I, I do think that the show gets so much drama out of people just saying the things that you're not supposed to say and I don't think that people think of this show as an example of that people think of like your curb your enthusiasms but I mean, aren't I mean, aren't you kind of couching that when when you say, well, it's probably just kind of a joke, right? Like there there is something bolder about this. Yeah, it's it's really you know um, I, I I hate to repeat myself because on time at times I do say this in other episodes, but you know the the show just makes you stew in moments. It's it it makes you sit there in these quiet moments of longing or quiet moments of awkwardness or just what it feels like to be in your 20s, <laughs> those early 20s in college where you're just, you just don't know which end is up. And and that's, uh, it's, I, it makes for, I think, really comforting television. But I also understand why um, it went away for a really long time. You know, I think that we're in a bit of a resurgence right now of uh, shows about young people. I think mm-hmm. that that the streaming universe recognizing that young people watch streaming television shows that now all of a sudden you're seeing normal people getting made or you're seeing shows of that ilk where um, you can just have 12 episodes of a very poetic nuanced love story between two people and that's okay. Um, But I, but I do think that, you know, sort of to, 
I, I guess I'm sort of wondering if not that the show's lost its way. Cause I don't think that it did. I think it's just trying to do something completely different um, with itself. Uh, and that leads to sort of interesting dynamics. The Noel storyline is sort of the most prominent one in the episode, which is mm -hmm. that Noel meets a girl named Bridget in the previous episode. Um, and I don't fully understand really any of Bridget's motives. I don't know why she gives him a fake phone number at the party. And then he confronts her about it, but he's cute about it and funny. And she's like, oh, he's funny. And and then she kind of leaves him on, but doesn't want to because she's gay. It's it's just a lot. It's like they don't – I don't really completely understand. It's not delineated particularly well. Um, but more than anything, she's a foil or a wedge between Felicity and Noel in terms of him wanting to date her and feeling like Felicity is somehow sabotaging that with the help of Richard in his ear. Yeah. Um, Richard, who just manifests in the apartment just because they need him to be there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, it, it's funny because Bridget is all, is ultimately, you know, she's a red herring, right? Because you don't even see that it's, it's Ruby that's going to connect with Noel this episode. Um, it, I, I don't understand why you would add, why you would, I don't know, like, you know, talk about like, you know, making things uncomfortable and saying the thing you're not supposed to say, um, I would never go up to somebody who had given me a fake phone number and yeah. be like, you gave me a fake phone number. And this is the thing. And like, I was, I was hoping to talk about this, about how, um, I mean, like, I think this is the most enduring, this is one of the most enduring love triangles, certainly for teen dramas, because, you know, you've got the two archetypes, right? You've got like the nice guy, Mr. Reliable. And then you've got like the more like, Byronic brooding Ben, although Ben probably wouldn't know who Byron was, right? He, I don't think he, he definitely does not know who that is. He does not know who Byron is or what. Um, but it's, you know, talking about it doing something different this season, like it tries, like I think it makes Noel appealing in a way that he hadn't previously been. Because, I mean, like, I don't think he was ever presented as, like, a perfect guy. He was way, mm -hmm. like, he was so insecure. I mean, mm -hmm. just, I, I remember the finals episode where he's just, like, freaking out. It doesn't help that he took speed or whatever. Beats, but, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like, this episode, like, you, I mean, he's such a dick. At the, sorry, can I say that? Yeah, absolutely. You can okay. swear. Please, go, go to town. <laughs> because, I mean, Ben would have called him a dick, right? Didn't Ben call him a dick? A hundred percent, yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, He's he, a straight up asshole. Yeah, like, yeah. He, he's such a jerk for much of it. And then, you know, like it comes back. And then like, I remember at the time being like, Felicity, no, like you, you got, you, you got it. it. It isn't even just about like, you know, may, maybe see what else is out there in the world, but just like, don't do the Ben thing again. Right. Like don't. And I like over the years, like I've gone so back and forth, like in college, I was 100% team Ben not because I really thought he was the better prospect, but because when you're that young and dumb um, and, you know, hadn't really experienced much, like in, in my mind, I was like, yep, you know, I would totally sign up to get my heart, like just stomped on. Yeah. Like, like if you're going to do it, if you're going to, you know, have that big college relationship, why not just, you know, have something, you know, big and that, you know, like, yeah, I want my heart broken. 10 years later, 10 years after that, it was just like, you know, 
all the way no. And then, you know, like we, you know, we're, we're starting to deconstruct more like the nice guy archetype a bit more. Right. And, you know, like it, there's certainly with Noel that like, I'm a nice guy. You should like me. Like when, you, when I rewatch it, like it, it's cr- like I cringe more because he yeah. very much is kind of like, you know, yeah. you should, you should want to be with me. Not, I mean, like, you know, he could sell her on compatibility and stuff, but instead it's just kind of like, but I'm nice and I like you. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Rewatching these episodes, I have found myself, I don't want to say wavering on Noel. I, I'm still team Noel, but I, I'll say that I, I have found myself, um, he does things that that are really not cool, especially in the fallout of um, of Felicity sleeping with uh, Simon Rex in the uh, in the art studio. Yeah. Um, you know, but 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 I I had we had Sarah Watson on for that episode, and, and she brought up some stuff that I think is really interesting. One of which being that Jason Kadams talks a lot about good people making bad decisions, as opposed to them being intrinsically bad people, and I think that that's very much a hallmark of this show too um which is that i don't you know i don't dislike noel necessarily as a person no. i just don't like the choices that he's making and the way that he's acting at certain times uh, because his insecurities are just so bald at times um that being said i also don't really love that ben only likes felicity because she makes him feel good about himself mm-hmm. um so it's 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 <laughs> there's there's a lot of like uh there's a lot of nuance to it. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and and in each episode, we talk a lot about the love triangle and, and understandably so, because not just was it the beating heart of the show, but uh, it worked. It's mm-hmm. so rare that a love triangle can work. Uh, and for a hundred episodes, nonetheless, that's a, yeah. that's an impressive feat. Um, in this particular episode, I will say too, that I appreciated the way that they thawed the ice between Felicity and, and Noel in this episode. I think that it showed, um, maturity on both their parts um an ability to be able to see that they both made mistakes felicity literally says to him what was i thinking um uh so it's 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 really interesting him coming to her uh i don't want to say that her came to her defense i guess is the best way to put it and she says it right she says you defended me yeah so it's it's nice i mean it's it's i i understand at the same time why he putting Richard out of the equation, why he would feel insecure about Felicity talking to a girl that he liked and all that sort of stuff. Mm. But um, so I, I, I want to talk a little bit about the art class component of this, because I think that it's um, it's a really interesting, you know, you talked a little bit about indecision, right? And the show's impetus is, is literally just that it's, it's decision masking indecision, um, where she gets in a plane, flies to New York, does this crazy thing. Um, and then within the span of the pilot, she questions the choice. She meets the, the, the guidance counselor who says, you know, you're already an artist and the seed is already planted for her. Um, obviously in terms of whether or not she wants to be a doctor or an artist. Um, and then in this episode, we see her doubling down, going for it, dropping pre-med, going into art, and and then one one bit of pushback, and all of a sudden she's like, you know, maybe I made a wrong decision, maybe I should get the <laughs> fuck out of this, like maybe this is a bad idea. Um, but you know, to her credit, and again to her courage, uh, she says, "Fuck it, I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to see what comes of this." Um, it's it's. It's really interesting to see a character so rife with indecision be the lead character of your television show. Yes. 
um, usually, and I, I can only imagine that you watch a fair amount, of, obviously watch a lot of television, <laughs> your lead character tends to be Teflon. They're the, they're the thing you hold on to. They're your, your rock. So I, I, it's interesting to see this show take the opposite tack. Yeah, because, I mean, the, the risk that you run is that, like, well, she's a flaky, well, this is a very womanly thing to do, right? Like, she's, she's indecisive, she's flaky, or, you know, whatever. And, I mean, the reality is she doesn't have problems, like, getting dressed in the morning or whatever. I mean, these, these are all fairly big decisions she's making, you know? Like, I, I do yes. think, like, it, it's, I just think that, I'm not even sure I think she's, that indecisive so much as again like this show let her like you you saw all the 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 wheels grinding you know, or the gears grinding in her head like you saw all mm-hmm. of that turning which again might not make for very compelling drama right now right if if everything because I, I, yeah. I remember you guys were talking about like high concept stuff yeah um, yeah and and maybe maybe after all of this you know that will be a bigger thing again. Not to say that it ever really went away, but I just mm-hmm. mean that like it, yeah, like it, it's rare that a show really lets you like sit through that decision-making process because it's usually like, you know, our, like uh, at the end of the, the finale, right. Where she gets in mm-hmm. the cab and you don't know what decision she's going to make. Right. Yep. Mo- like most episodes would then, you know, like, I'm like most episodes would represent every decision she makes that way where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, this like slow-mo, like, you know, beautifully shot scene on the street. And instead for the most part, like you see her, you know, at, you know, she's either agonizing or she's asking, you know, she's making like a list of pros and cons. Sure. And I think that, that always felt very relatable to me. Yeah. I, th- I think it's really interesting how, messy the show allows itself to be, I guess, is what it comes down to. You know what I mean? I think that um, it's, I, I've, I've spoken of this before, but, you know, I, I see a lot of Cameron Crowe in this show. I see a lot of sort of people making messy decisions, lovable people making mm-hmm. sort of these 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 questionable decisions every now and then. Um, but this show embraces them. You know, I think that talking, even just talking to Karina uh, last week um, about, you know, you mentioned the air that exists and how low stakes everything is. I mean, the fact that we're sitting here talking about a show that was thrown into upheaval because its main character cut her hair um, is is amazing in and of itself. Um, and and I think that it's it's a testament to casting. It's a testament to direction. It's obviously a testament to the writing. But um, you know, it just it all kind of works. Even when it's not working, it's working. Um, I, I think that, you know, this episode in particular, I, I really appreciated how it juggled all of these knives pretty well. I mean, mm. Ben's a little MIA in the episode. Yeah. Um, but, but you know, that's fine. We needed a break from him. He was, you know, busy being a tool bag in the first <laughs> two episodes. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I appreciated the sort of that, 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 that it juggled all these things relatively well. Um, it introduced obviously, uh, Ruby into the equation and, and, um, it did a lot of, I, how can I put this? You know, the, the, the first two episodes of this show are really kind of an extension of the, of the finale from season one, which really mm. in their own way feel like one episode. Um, and I kind of wish that they had been one episode, quite honestly, cause, yeah. but that's neither here nor there. Um, 
this is the first episode where you get a real sense of like, this is what season two is going to feel like. Um, you're a lot of plates are going to be spinning. The ground's going to be shifting a little bit underneath you, but like, hold on. It's hopefully going to be a fun ride that you enjoy. Um, but it also has little moments. Like I really love the scene between Ben and Julie when she's packing up her stuff when we think she's leaving, but then she doesn't, but whatever. Um, where Ben and Julie are just like packing up her stuff and and how believable that awkwardness is. And yeah. yet you also sort of sense that these two are going to find a way through this weird sort of stage in their friendship. Um, you know, the, 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 the whole Julie storyline is a classic Julie storyline of <laughs> what are we doing? Um, yeah. But yeah, so it's, it's sort of, which isn't great. Um, Noel has a really great line to Felicity um, when uh, I don't uh, they have I don't know if it's at his apartment or where they have the scene exactly. But he says to her, every time I see you, I think about how you chose Ben over me, hmm. which, again, is another example of a character saying something that most yeah. people wouldn't necessarily say, but is just is just good television. And, and it really lands with Felicity. Um I guess my question to you is sort of how do you feel about the Felicity and Noel relationship kind of moving forward? Because it. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals. You can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. It kind of treads water for a while. But yeah. you know. Um I like I I think it's I mean so they introduce so many romantic prospects for like everybody. Doesn't Felicity is in like at least two relationships this season independent of what's going on with Noel and Ben. So like like this yes. is the year that they're like yeah, I, I think that's part that's the messiness you were talking about before, but I think here um like it, it, it's this very like well not so fast kind of moment right like felicity made her decision and then ben made a decision and then she made another decision and you know like they're they're you know like they're reasserting the triangle right like you thought it was done because she because she dated them both right like so that's it right like once you've yeah. tried, like, like that's it like yeah. she, she's she's already been down both of the those roads like why revisit any of it and then this episode is kind of like maybe we will you know like it, it reminds yeah, yeah. you and because it shows him being like a jerk for like the first two thirds and then you know he doesn't only come to her defense but like he's very honest about the fact that he's still feeling hurt instead of pretending like like oh we we can get over this we'll we'll be fine mm -hmm. 
you know, like he's very honest. They're both very honest about the fact that they might not get back to where they were. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and ultimately the last line of the episode is, uh, some, some Sally voiceover where she basically says, uh, I'm paraphrasing obviously, but you know, as exciting as the future might be, you can't look backwards as Felicity literally looks backwards over her shoulder to, to <laughs> Noel and, and, uh, and Ruby walking away. But, you know, I think that the show does a really good job and this is why it was able to sort of, uh, continue doing this love triangle for, for four seasons is to your, to your point, keeping that thing in the back of your head of saying like, well, she's going to end up with one of them someday. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, you're so you're just, you just kind of keep weighing your options. And, but that's the real high wire trick or act yeah. of this show is keeping those two things afloat. Um, I also love the scene uh, where Elena tells Felicity how proud she is of the tough decision that she made. Yeah. I, I don't, and, I, and I'm very curious as to your thoughts on this. I don't know that they do the best job with Felicity's friendships with women on this show. Yeah. <laughs> um, but sometimes I find myself kind of lasering in on a moment where I'm like, okay, that's it. Do more with that. And then they don't. But I, I do wonder sort of what your thoughts are on her relationship specifically with Julian and Elena. Um, well, you know, like they, they get into it in the next episode as far as like the Julie Felicity friendship. Um, because, you know, it's wild to think Julie is the very first friend that she makes in college, right? Like mm-hmm. she's crying in the pilot because she sees Ben and, you know, she knows that he's like got a girlfriend and stuff. And, you know, the, this girl hands her a note and, you know, talk about infatuation, right? The girl passes a note. Are you okay? Check yes. Check no. Um, and so like th- there are some very like great, like some very like unique moments, right? Like, um, like, like that moment and, you know, having a song written about you by like your ex, right? Like I, I, I just, I don't at all think that that there's any like queer subtext there. What what I think is, or or what I'm most impressed by is the way that it looks at how, at, at just relationships, right? At how like you can you can betray your friend, you can break your friend's heart, and I mean like that that makes it like a little less great because, or rather like. That's part of the issue with the female relationships is that the show treats them as if they were exactly the same as relationships with men. I mean, that's a symptom, probably a little bit of having male showrunners, which I I imagine that's part of it. But I would also say too, you know, it's, this is obviously several years later, so it's, it's perhaps an unfair comparison, but you know, if you look at the relationship between uh, Meredith and Christina on Grey's Anatomy, which um, I think is a tremendous, um, female friendship relationship. And, and there's, there's a, an argument to be made. I think Shonda's even said it in various articles that, uh, that the love story of Grey's Anatomy is really the one between Meredith and, and Christina. Um, and how sort of vitally kind of important in the DNA of the show that is. Um, this show never sort of has that. And part of it is, I imagine, male creators of this show, mm. um, to some degree or another. Um, I imagine that Shonda treasures her relationships with her, with her female friends. And, and thus it's a, it's a big part of it. Um, but I would also argue too, that like the show doesn't do the best job of men being friends either. Quite no. honestly. Like, so, so 
the met, like everybody's kind of useless as a friend, I think, because yeah, like Richard is terrible. 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 Like he is, he is only like Noel only has like a devil on his shoulder. He doesn't mm-hmm. like there. There's no like opposite influence there. Like Sean and Ben are like roommates and sort of friends, but Sean sort of. also kind of hates him because Julie likes Ben, mm-hmm. and you know. Mm-hmm. But to go back to Lena really quick, yeah, and, please, please, and the show getting something right between its female characters and like you know female friendships is it it's significant for Felicity that somebody like Elena tells her that she's proud of the decision she's made because Elena mm-hmm. represents the kind of person. Felicity kind of wishes she were right because not mm-hmm. just because she's in pre-med, but because she knows what she wants to do and mm-hmm. she, you know, and she's on the path to doing that. So that is a very, you know, I, I, I feel like authentic is just <laughs> such an overused word these days, but like that rings very true for those, for these two characters and for their dynamic and just for like, uh, female friendships in general, where it would mean a lot to you if this person you, who you looked up to said, you know what, you didn't do a dumb thing because she tells her, right? For mm-hmm. most of the episode, she's like, you're nuts to do this. But then in the end, she's like, you know what? I think you're going to be okay, which for Felicity and for any, you know, girls with in that kind of friendship would mean a lot. Yeah. It's, it's, it's also sort of, if, if she's being honest with herself, I think that Felicity holds Elena's um, opinion in high regard um, because she knows how sort of um, intense and sort of career oriented. I mean, I think she looks at Elena as someone that's just, you know, uh, someone she wants to emulate to some degree or another, Um, perhaps unlike any other character on the show. Uh, I don't know that anyone else on the show could have said that to her and have it have any meaning <laughs> or have as much meaning. Um, so to your point, yeah, that, that's a, that's a really, really important moment for her character, for her to know that she's not making the wrong decision or, or at least yeah. uh, that there's, you know, that someone believes in her, which I think mm-hmm. is, is obviously very important at the time. Um, you know, I, 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 there's not a lot of Megan in this episode, which is unfortunate because <laughs> I do love Megan. Um, and, and I, I wish that there was more of her, but um you know, I think that they they do a good job in this episode of just sort of. I, so I talked a little bit with uh, I've I've had a couple interviews with Lawrence Trilling, who's directed a like fourteen episodes mm. of the show, um, and he came on to talk about the premiere, and uh, he also directed the Fugue, which is the episode with uh, Felicity loses her virginity. Um, but one of the things that I asked him about is how this show um, does a lot of visual storytelling more so than a lot of shows, which is sort of scenes that tell you a story without anybody speaking. Mm. Um, One of them in this episode is the breakfast scene at the very end where uh, Ben is putting cereal out for everybody and everyone just kind of looks at each other and they know that they don't want to lose this. Mm. Um, And that's the, that's one of the myriad of things that I love about this show is that it had the freedom to do that today some fucking network executive would tell you to, that, that they don't understand unless can you please spoon feed us uh, what we're supposed to be taking away from this scene. Um, do you feel like that's a lot on television like that? I mean, it, I don't think you'll, f- it, it, it's tricky with something this kind of intimate, right? Like you'll, right. you'll find visual storytelling in, in like things with like big ideas. Um, 
because they right. have a budget for like this, you know, right. like, and then it pans out and a thousand dead bodies on the ground, that kind sure, of thing, sure, right? Sure. Um, but yeah, that, that is, that is such a, a great moment because Sean had said like, oh, she pours a bean bowl of cereal, right? Yeah, like, like, yeah. you know, trying to like, um, make the case for why they shouldn't, you know, bring in the chef guy, um, which I do think is kind of nuts though, because I'm like, I understand <laughs> them loving Julie and stuff. And as, as being in quarantine and having to make everything for myself, I'm like, how great would you somebody else for making any of this? This is, this is very, very, very true. Um, I, it's, it's funny too, cause so in the previous episode, we have the beginning of, um, Sean's infatuation with Julie, which, um, doesn't play out the way that, uh, he hopes, uh, which is that eventually she kind of, she says she's, she like goes on a date with him, but then kind of shoots him down. It's yeah. kind of weird. Um, and then, you know, smartly the show realizes that, that Megan and Sean are, are, you know, um, a good couple and, and that there's fun to be had there. But, um, but yeah, so in the previous episode, we have that. And then in this episode, we have Sean grappling with the fact that she's moving out. Um, and I think he's got to be happy that he doesn't have to make that decision and that he gets to keep her around. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's kind of weird. It's kind of, it's kind of a weird storyline when I say it out loud, where it's just like, Julie is moving out, but then she's not, but then everything's fine. <laughs> it's like, okay. It, it, it is, it's, it's so strange to think that like nothing really comes of this moment for like, for a while, you know, yeah. like it isn't until much later in this, I think it's this season where his dad mm -hmm. comes back. Right. And then like, Ben won't, or is it the, the third season? No, it's the third season that, that, uh, oh, you're talking about John Ritter when yeah, he shows yeah. up. Yeah. So, okay. Sorry. I just, no, no, no. Yeah. But, no, no, no. It's, 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 it's true that, that, that to your point, there, there are seeds being planted right now in this episode that really don't perhaps ever bear fruit, but they don't bear fruit <laughs> at least until the very end of the season, which is yeah. kind of odd. Um, it's like Julie dates other guys. And they don't really know what to do with Sean. And then he does another documentary episode, which yeah. I love, but still. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's just, it's, 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 it's a very weird season of television that I respect um, for all of the swings and all the weirdness that exists in it. And then, you know, in season three, it kind of pivots back to a safe zone of, of being kind of what everybody thinks Felicity is about. And I don't mind season three. It's actually a, a fun season of television. And then season four, what are your thoughts on how the show ends? I'm very curious as to your thoughts on time travel. <laughs> uh, <laughs> ordinarily, I would love it. Um, it, it. It feels very much like fan service, right? Where, or, you know, just um, because I, I, I do rather like what was intended to be the finale, right? The episode, mm -hmm. the, the, the graduate. The, yeah, graduation. Yeah, the, the, yeah it's like, I think it's called the graduate. That Scott Foley directed, yeah. Yeah, like I, I think that's such a, especially the, you know, and when, when, when people are like, I don't know why anybody would ever pick that. The moment when he tells her it's my turn to follow you, like if, if you really watch that and didn't consider it, like I don't know, I don't know about you, um, like th that. I, I feel like that's an all-time great moment um, when it comes to like winning somebody back. Um, and then what, I never thought about how much that mirrors, uh, Eric Taylor in Friday Night Lights, but anyway, continue. Oh gosh, that, that's, that, that's its own <laughs> podcast right there. Um, 
or podcast episode. Um, yeah, but yeah. yeah, like I, I understand, you know, I, I think it, it, it's a very kind of like, well, like, we might as well see what's behind door number two, right? Like that, that's how it feels to me. It, for more than anything, it just kind of feels like they gave us five more episodes, right? Because isn't that kind of how, to, like, it was just like, oh, okay, sure, why not? Like, so well, they, they your or, your season order or something. Well, they picked they picked it up for a specific amount of episodes. I'm not sure many thirteen or fifteen or something like that, uh, or maybe it was even eighteen. I don't know. But um, and they had a replacement show that tanked, like that mm-hmm. absolutely flatlined. So they needed more episodes. So mm-hmm. ultimately, they tacked on these four or five episodes at the end of the season as sort of a let's call it an epilogue, if you will. Yeah, uh, which. In theory, doesn't bother me. In execution, I take umbrage with Noel dying in a fire and, like, yeah, it's craziness. It, I don't know. It's so strange because they had to do that just so you'd understand why they have to undo it. Right? Yep. Like, it, yep. th- there's no other reason. And, but, I mean, doesn't Elena still die in this group? Correct. Like, I just, Correct. you know, like, I didn't want to think about any of that. <laughs> No one should have died at the end of Felicity, I think, is no. what we can all agree on. <laughs> it's not that show. Yeah. That is such a strange ending for this type of show. There's also something truly evil about Noel dying in the art studio where Felicity lost her virginity <laughs> by cheating on him. <laughs> it's a whole next level of, of twisting the knife. But, I mean, listen, they're <laughs> It's, it is what it is, but, um, well, thank you so much for coming on. I really, really appreciate it. I'm sorry it. for babbling. Um, I'm just so used no. to like <laughs> with an interview being like, all right, I'm just going to take out like that, that tangent I went off. <laughs> no, please. This was great. This was exactly what I was hoping it would be. And, and, uh, I hope that you'll come back. We have lots of other television to cover on this podcast. So, Absolutely. um, there's all sorts of other 1999 shows that we're going to cover. And, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on those as well. Great. Yes. No, this was so much fun. Thank you so much. Hey guys, Phil again. So now we have our interview with Amy Smart, who played the role of Ruby. Uh, we talk about the audition process, the ups and downs, uh, what it was like jumping into the show. Uh, it's a great interview. So uh, here we have Amy Smart. Welcome back to Podcast Like It's 1999. I'm your host, Phil Iskov. And with us today, I'm really thrilled to have Amy Smart on to talk about uh, her work on Felicity and, and her work in 1999 in general. Um, so Amy, thank you for being here. My pleasure. <laughs> um, so in in 1999, um, you you had a you had a bunch of stuff that you were doing in 1999. You were you were in Varsity Blues. You were at Outside Providence, uh, and you were on Felicity. And obviously, this episode is is uh, mostly about Felicity. But I would love to talk with you, perhaps at another time, about Varsity Blues and Outside Providence and what it was like working on those as well. Okay. Yeah. Um, but with. Uh, in 1999, you know, where were you? Uh, I'm assuming you were in Los Angeles, but, uh, you know, what was, what was life like for you back in 99? Yeah. Um, I was in Los Angeles. I lived in my own rental. Um, (laughs) and at that point I had done outside Providence and varsity blues and I had got an audition for Felicity. And I just remember, um, that, Golden Globes year seeing Carrie Russell get awarded the um, yeah. like best actress for a new show. And I just was like, wow, she seems like such a powerhouse and so confident. And I don't know why, but I was like, 
I was a little turned off by her and I don't know why. Because <laughs> wow, I think, okay. I think she was like so confident that I was like, oh, she's so full of herself. There was something <laughs> that I was feeling about that. And so um, when I got the audition, I had an, a slight elevated sense of myself like, Psh, I could blow her out of the water. No big deal. <laughs> I, I don't know where this ego of mine came from. But I, there was something about me that sort of bugged, bugged me. So I thought, I, and I sat in the audition room and clearly the show is pretty white. I mean, mm -hmm. there obviously are some ethnic, different ethnic characters, but it's not really. So when I was in the audition room, um, it was me and like a variety. There was like black, Chinese, Indian. Like it was just like, I think they were trying to make it a bit more diversified. Sure. So I thought, oh my God, I'm never going to get this. I'm just another white girl. And, um, and then with my like slight ego, <laughs> that was like, <laughs> Carrie Russell, please bring it. You know, I had this, it's like that young twenties mentality. I don't know where it came from, but you know, every once in a while you find somebody that you're like, I don't know why, but I just don't like them. You know, <laughs> so okay. I went into the audition room so confident. I, I know I had such a swagger because I was like, please, if I get this, please. <laughs> and, and I guess, you know, with that, with that ego attitude, I got the role. <laughs> and so, but I was basing my whole, my confidence off of not liking her. And mm -hmm. as soon as I got there and I went to the hair and makeup trailer and Carrie stepped on, on into the trailer and I met her and she was really nice. <laughs> and, and we started talking and we were born three days apart, same age. Mm -hmm. We both had matching Birkenstocks on. <laughs> we, um, <laughs> she had, we both had black cats named Nala. Okay. What are the odds of That's that? Weird. That's so weird. That's weird. And I was like, oh my God, she's really nice. Oh no. <laughs> I don't think I can do this. <laughs> What's up? My confidence went. Hello? Up. Can you hear me? Uh oh. Did I lose you? No, we're we're here. We're here. Are you not oh. can you not hear us? I can hear you. Okay. We're fine. Oh, said, uh oh, what's up? Okay. No, no, no. We're we're all good. Um just so you know, sometimes the audio will sound like it's dropping out, but it's not. So don't oh. panic. It's all good. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh but just continue what you were saying. <laughs> so anyhow, um, so then I met her and she was so nice. Yeah, yeah. And she was so down to earth and real and and then I panicked because I'm like, oh my God, I, the only reason I felt good about myself is because I was putting her down in my head and now she's really nice. And now I don't know what the heck I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> ah! That's amazing. Um, so, but was, I mean, obviously she was, she was nice. Did it, did it not sort of calm you a little bit or, or it had the opposite effect? Well, it was. I, I mean, obviously, I, I mean, I really liked her and she's very talented. Um, and it, no, it did the opposite effect. <laughs> my ego was totally based on not liking her and feeling this competitiveness and this inflated confidence because on that. And so as soon as that went away, I was like, oh, no, <laughs> I'm so intimidated now. 
<laughs> I mean, so I guess part of what I, I'm, I'm curious about is, did you did you watch Felicity before you were on the show? Did you like watch no, the actual? I, I hadn't seen it. Um, okay. I mean, maybe I had seen one episode, but I hadn't really watched it. I had just seen so much press about her. Right, it, right, right. You know, all these interviews and awards and this and that. And so I was just judging it on that. <laughs> okay. Um, um, so did you, did you have a chemistry read with Scott Foley or did you, is, was it just no, an audition? Okay. It was just a, it was literally um, a two, like two episode arc type of character. Really? That grew. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what, now that I've done n- numerous TV shows, that's kind of, that's the same thing with Shameless. When I went on Shameless, it was for two episodes and I think that's their window of testing to see if there's chemistry, to see if the storyline can grow, to see if it's working. And if not, then you two episodes and you're off the show. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, speaking, speaking as, you know, a writer in our, in, in writing rooms or oh, writer's yeah, rooms, exactly. it, it, it certainly does feel like you come up with a character and there's, you know, a certain amount of potential in it, but you never really know. And if that actor clicks with another actor, then, you know, you end up doing 14 episodes, I believe. Was that how many yeah. you did of Felicity? Yeah. So, you know, it's 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 a testament to um, obviously not just to you and and Scott, but just you know to to the writer seeing all the various roads they could go down with you guys. But mm-hmm. you guys really had tremendous chemistry. Did you did you feel that almost immediately, or or was it something that you kind of grew into? You know, I think that um, Scott is such a kind, likable guy. And mm-hmm. so personable um, that it was it was just really easy. He was just really easy to get along with, to laugh with. Um, and it was fun and kind of silly. And, I, you know, every t- every episode, I didn't know kind of where it was going. And and again, as you know, as a writer, they you sort of write a sort of how it's transpiring on set and your in their life and what they can bring and and the funny part is um i had booked road trip during that mm-hmm. during shooting and they were trying to figure out my schedule so they were like well let's make ruby an actress and <laughs> she has to go work in la for a couple weeks <laughs> that's really funny so i was literally flying off to do road trip and and i flew back to do some episodes so um, so that was paralleling. I was like, wow, they're, they're writing my life, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny that that's, uh, that that's where that came from. I, I mean, I, I think that, I mean, it's interesting because you never really know how long you're going to have a character on a show for when you're writing that character. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it certainly, I, I wouldn't say that it felt that way with Ruby at all. I think she actually, um, folds into the show really, really seamlessly. Um, so much so that in rewatching the series right now, I wish they kept you around longer, quite honestly. Um, you know, you and, you and Scott obviously had great chemistry, but it just felt like, um, they got rid of you. It felt like pretty quickly when it did happen. Um, and I kind of wish that, that there had been a little bit more, um, time with you. I don't know if you felt like it was uh, at all the yeah, it's funny. It's like, uh oh, she's pregnant. And it's not his baby. <laughs> <laughs> she's evil. Get her off. That's kind of unfortunate. Uh, yeah, it plays a little bit like that. It does, and you know, it's funny because I was rewatching it myself because I didn't remember every single part. Sure. <laughs> and 
I, and you know, it's, if you just say it like, oh, she got pregnant, it wasn't his, what a, you know, yeah. she was being so scandalous. But I, but then I watched the scene where she's like, I'm sorry, I didn't know we were together and I didn't know we were exclusive and blah, blah, yeah. blah, you know? And it yeah. was like, wait, that, that actually happens, you know, in, in yeah. life. And she's not bad for what she decided to do. It just, it wasn't his baby. <laughs> no, I, it's, it's so funny. Cause it's, it's unfortunately a little bit of a, of a ongoing thing with Noel's character, yeah. uh, which is that women seem to cheat on him pretty frequently um, in, in weird moral gray zones where they're not really sure if they're dating him or not. Uh-huh. Um, so it's, it's, it is, uh, it, it does feel like it was a believable situation. And I think that they, I mean, and this is sort of a testament to, to the show. And I, I want to sort of unpack this with you in terms of mm-hmm. how the show finds really grounded, genuine, authentic moments mm-hmm. and, and doesn't sort of allow itself to fall into tropes that a lot of other WB shows did at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and, and you could sense that it, that it, prides itself on that you know they it's very easy to make ruby into a quote-unquote villain under those circumstances but to your point i think they were trying their best to add nuance to it did you sense that in the writing when you were working on the show um i did yeah i think that they i mean i think that they were just really good at um just diving into these human problems that that young 20s teenagers go through and that it's complicated, that it isn't cut and dry, that it's not black and white, that there are numerous sides to an issue. And I think that they were really good at doing that, especially, you know, having the scenes, her either talking to herself on a recorder or like at the therapist's office, like that really, I think what made it so likable and so um, interesting to watch is because people were talking about how they were feeling so much. Yeah, it it and and just even, you know, just watching the first episode with with you on the show um and your first meetings with Noel and how your relationship is is sort of it's it's a really sweet relationship. Like it's not it's not trying to be scandalous and and particularly sexy. Like I think that the show is just trying to show people at a time in their lives when they're trying to figure out who they want to be and and just trying to connect with other people in any way that they can and ruby's character is you know and and i kind of want to talk to you about other characters in movies or other television shows that might have inspired the performance but you know she's 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 not too naive but she is very Mm -hmm. sweet um Mm -hmm. finding those edges to her so she doesn't become you know feel like a cliche i mean Mm -hmm. how did you find those sort of um moments with her um, you know, at that point in my acting, <laughs> as I, as I've been kind of reflecting, looking at my older stuff, I mean, I think it was more intuitive. I think it was more like, you know, a bit like, how would I be in this or how would I feel? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. With this. Um, and I think, um, I think, I think Ruby was just really genuine. I, yeah. I don't think she had a lot of facades about her um and that's how they wrote her and so it felt pretty straightforward um yeah no i I totally sense that that she that there wasn't i mean i I don't mean to suggest that there was you know um she just didn't have a lot of games in her you know she didn't (laughs) have a ton of um issues that she was trying to cover and 
and pretend to be a certain way is what I felt. It's, it's also interesting that, you know, Ruby's character opens up a sort of an issue, I guess is the best way to put it that the show deals with, which is birth control. Um, and, and ultimately Ruby getting pregnant, perhaps being ironic. I'm not sure what they were doing with that, but, um, I, I, I do think it's interesting that, um, that she gives him that opportunity and it's not, you know, I, I never felt like this was a quote unquote issue show, but at yeah. the same time, you know, it right. does deal with date rape. It does deal with uh, a lot of women's issues mm-hmm. in 99, which is, you know, mm-hmm. pretty, pretty groundbreaking. Um, mm-hmm. Did you feel that when you were on it? You know what? Not really. I don't know why I just, it didn't feel, it didn't feel like soap opery, you know, right. it didn't feel like, like, melodramatic or overdramatic. It just felt like these were issues that people deal with. And, and the, and it wasn't a new issue. It just maybe was a more pronounced issue for a television show. Yeah. I mean, and, and having a, a female protagonist, I appreciate that they dealt with issues that, you know, that affect women. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not, they didn't, they didn't hide behind those things or, or to your point, make it, um, you know, overtly soapy. I think that they tried mm-hmm. to find a balance in those things. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to rewind a little bit, did you guys, did you have table reads on this show? Um, <laughs> I know you're asking me. I mean, no I, worries. I'm sure we did. I don't remember. <laughs> okay. I just wonder, cause my, this sort of leads to a question of when you're signed on to be a recurring character, even if it's only for two episodes, even though yours did, turn it to much longer, you know, yeah. you're, you're sort of, you're like a new player being brought onto a team that's existed for a while. Yeah. Um, and how did, how did that feel for you? How did, you know, I'm, I'm, I hope it's the cast was welcoming to you. Yes. Everyone was so nice. I mean, honestly, like that whole cast is just, we're, we're so nice and so welcoming and I definitely felt welcomed. Um, it's just intimidating going onto a, an already well-oiled machine that's working well. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just intimidating. Um, but I know that now, like, as I just filmed the first season of Stargirl, and mm-hmm. having, um, cause, cause I hadn't really had my, been on a show since the beginning and it being me being one of the main characters. Sure. And so now having that experience just now, um, I know that it's fun to have, people come on and guest star and reoccur because it just breaks up the monotony of the same that happens with shows. It's fun to have new blood, new yep. characters, new dynamics that sort of bring something that snaps you out of the, the same. Yeah, it's, it's funny that you, that you bring that up because it, it's, you know, you were sort of at the tip of the spear when it came to this show's, I don't want to say rebranding, but it kind of broke itself into a million pieces at the top of season two. I mean, the yeah. show had really sort of found a, a rhythm for itself. It had found a fan base. Um, and then it threw a bunch of grenades into the show. I mean, you, you were there on the first episode when the infamous haircut came into play. Um, and you know, it's, it's interesting that, um, you know, you're there as this transition is happening as, you know, Noel has a new love interest and, Felicity's breaking up with Ben. Like it's it's all kind of new ground, and I imagine that it it must have been a little intimidating to sort of be there as all these changes were happening. 
Yeah. I mean, to me, I, I didn't know all this was happening really. Cause I, I wasn't, um, I hadn't seen the show that much. So right, right. I, to me, I'm not as aware of all these changes happening. I just know that she cut her hair off and that was a big <laughs> deal. And, you know, that she was getting a lot of pushback from that, which is hard, you know. Um, and not her fault. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, uh, I wasn't as privy to that during when it was happening. I was more intimidated by coming into something where everyone was really good. And then I had to make sure that I was good myself. <laughs> I mean, and you, and you were, you were fantastic. I mean, I, I really think that Ruby is one of my favorite characters on the show. And I'm, I'm not just saying that because I'm interviewing you, but just because of the, just to your point earlier, that different energy that she brings to the show and, and that you brought to the show, I thought was invaluable. Oh my God. Thank you. It's funny. It's, it's so crazy to like, look back less, more than 20 years ago and be like, Oh, what was I, what was I thinking then? Oh my God. <laughs> I could act then. I, I, I knew things then. <laughs> like it's, it's, a weird, it's a weird feeling. But then I realized, you know, my life was a lot simpler then. I had an apartment. I had a boyfriend. I just had to pay my rent. I didn't have to worry about, I, I mean, I know you worry about things, but somehow at that point, I mean, I could just be like, I'm an actor and I'm just focusing on that. And I don't have to worry about what's my future hold for me. I mean, it just, it, it somehow feel, felt like I, I was more focused then in that, in that regard. <laughs> no, I, I, I know, I know exactly what you mean. I, I, I mean, I, I, this podcast, obviously looking 20 years back, I'm constantly thinking about the headspace I was in back yeah. then. Yeah, where and- are you at? <laughs> I mean, I, I was, I was in film school at the time, but it, it's, it's yeah. just, it, it, it really, and I mean, now more than ever in the current situation we're in could not be any more stark in terms of how different the world was back then. But mm-hmm. it's, uh, it, it, it's a really, that's part of why I love doing this podcast, maybe now more than ever in terms of being able to sort of not just even the nostalgia factor, but this show is so comforting. It's so inviting. It's so warm. Um, and, and it's, it's a really lovely show filled with characters that are, um, hoping for the best. You know what I mean? It's, it's in, in each other and themselves. Um, which I think is just, you know, we, we need more of that, not less of it for sure. Um, so I had just a, a couple other quick questions for you, but one of them is about sort of, um, acting in movies versus acting in TV. At, you know, in 99, you had just shot Varsity Blues and Outside Providence, which I imagine in and of themselves were two very different shoots, but yeah. then you're thrown into this. How does it all compare? Um, well, the difference right now is I think of like, you know, when you go on location for a job, there's just a, you get more bonded with the crew, with the cast. Sure. And, you know, because you're out of your, you're sort of a fish out of water. You're living in a new city, you're acclimating and you don't know anyone else usually. So you go out to dinner with the cast at night or you hang out with them during the weekend or you become friends with the producers or the writers or the directors. And, you know, you become a bit more like a family mm-hmm. and, um, because this was shot in LA and I lived there, it just felt more like a steady job. Um, I wasn't spending any time outside of work with any of the cast members. And um, there was something more grounding about it, going to work and then getting a new script. And it was just sort of this fun, uh, 
unraveling of where this is going to go. And it, and because it's TV, you know, when you do a film, you read the whole script, you know, what's going to happen. And then it's, you know, plotted out how you're going to shoot it. But with this, it's like every, every new, it's fun. It's kind of that titillating feeling of like, what's going to happen next? (laughs) (laughs) Where are they going? What's going to happen? It is, it's really fun actually to shoot TV because, because you just can't wait to read the new episode. (laughs) So, so you, are you given a sense at all by, did the writers give you any sense of where you were going? I mean, I I know that on the shows that I've been on, we're not really allowed to, but you know. Oh, okay. Yeah. They, they didn't. In fact, with Stargirl, I got a bit more insight. um, That's good. About where she was going. But again, it's still so exciting to read the new episode because because you hear you hear snippets of like what could maybe happen, but then not until you get the actual episode. Um, yeah, it's it's. I mean, I don't know. It depends on the shows that you work on. I mean, yeah. sometimes showrunners can be very secretive. Uh, I, I don't. I don't personally think that there's a whole lot of pros that come from that. Um, I think being open and having conversations with your your cast and your crew and letting people know where things are going can only help the show. But listen, mm-hmm. you know to each their own. Um, It did help when you're, I think a regular on the show, you know, it is nice to sort of have to know your trajectory of like, okay, so in the next five episodes, I'm going to figure this out and this is going to happen. And this is going to happen in this relationship. And it just, it is nice to have some kind of foresight for sure. Um, But especially being a guest star reoccurring, they're like, (laughs) (laughs) I really don't know what's going to happen. So did you find that, I mean, I know that this was early in your, in your acting career, but you know, shooting a film is, is just like logistically very different. You know, you have a lot more time, you get a lot more takes, um, you know, television is much more coverage. It's, you know, a wide shot of medium and a close up, and that's kind of it. Um, do how do you, as an actor, did you find yourself acclimating to television versus movies? Uh, it's nice actually the schedule of television cause it does move and it feels like it, it picks up this pace where sometimes with film, it doesn't, um, sure. I know, I know that with, with TV, you don't get as many rehearsals. Um, and you do feel like sometimes it's rushed. I didn't feel like that with this though. It, um, it felt like it didn't feel rushed. It felt like it had a good pacing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's funny because I did feel like when I was on this show, I remember my dad coming to visit me on set and I was so proud and I gave him a tour of, you know, the different sets and I was showing him around. And it really <laughs> was that moment where I'm like, oh, my God, I made it. I'm giving my dad a tour of this studio. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's a, it's a really, I, I, I had that feeling as well with, with my parents and it's a, it's, yeah, it's very, it's a lovely moment. It is. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, just to, to, to wrap up, um, your character comes back at the end of the third season. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and it's sort of, I don't want to say unceremoniously, but she sort of comes back and then they don't really do anything with her. Yeah. Uh, uh, how, how did you feel about her coming back? What were your thoughts on sort of, um, cause I imagine as an actor, you know, you, when you say goodbye to a role, um, especially on television, you assume like that's the end. And then all of a sudden you had to get back into Ruby's head for this one episode. What was that like? I mean, I, I loved being on the show. It was just so much fun and it was, you know, they gave me so much to work with. And so, um, 
I was so excited to be asked back. And then, yeah, it didn't really have like a huge payoff, yeah. but it was nice to go back and work on the show. And of course, I'm always just like, keep writing more and more. <laughs> sure, <laughs> sure. Want me back for good? <laughs> you know? Yeah, for sure. It's, I mean, I think that it's a testament to you and the, and the performance that she came back as someone who obviously who, who works in television. Oh, uh, people were writing and be like, what happened to her? <laughs> that's know? what, I, that's what I mean. Like people yeah. really wanted to know what happened to Ruby and they really wanted to, to see the character, you know, have a conclusion. So right. in that respect, um, I, I think that it's, I think that it's nice that they, that they brought you back. I just yeah. think for someone who was a fan of the character, I just kind of wish that, I mean, I, I get it. She has a kid and like, what's, I mean, are you going to, what, what exactly do you do with her and Noel is obviously a big question mark. Um, yeah. but it felt like a little bit of a false, a little bit of a false, uh, cliffhanger in the sense of, yeah. but I mean, listen, it's, it's, uh, I, I was thrilled to have the character back and to see some sort of sense of conclusion for her. Yeah, I know. It's funny as I was rewatching some of the episodes, um, I thought like, okay, she's moving back to Colorado with her parents to have the baby mm -hmm. like it would have just been cool to see like you know noel show up in colorado and be like hey i missed you and then she's like yeah. huge <laughs> 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 and or you know just newly had the baby or just like a visit or i don't know it did it, it was such a setup of her being pregnant and then people approving and not approving and this and that and it be and then her belly starting to grow in the show. And then all of a sudden, and, and also feeling so purposeful, like I have to have this baby. That is my purpose. Like, right. Then, so that whole buildup and then her just going, okay, I'm leaving tomorrow. Bye. <laughs> and then, yeah, bye. it, it felt a little abrupt. I mean, yeah. it did feel abrupt to me. And it, and it also felt a little bit like, um, it actually might've been, they could have milked it a little bit more and got your character closer to the season two finale and then sort of got more juice out of it. I, I mean, listen, yeah. it's, I can, I can Monday morning quarterback the show all day long, but, <laughs> but I do think that they, um, I, I do think that ultimately them bringing you back really says something about how much the audience and they love the character and obviously mm -hmm. you. And I think that that's, that's a testament in and of itself. So. Oh, thanks. I know. Well, people, you know, don't want to like be left like what's what happened? We're invested. Yeah. We want to know. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's that's sort of the double edged sword of of working in television. I find, or at least being a writer, which is that yeah. you spend all day trying to get people to invest in your characters, and then there's times where you know you know what it's like the 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 production issues and the various things that go into making a television show, and and you just don't have the freedom to do all the things you want, and then your audience gets upset because you have to make choices based on production <laughs> demands. It's just like right. that's what it is. <laughs> Um, but, uh, can you tell us a little bit about star girl and, and when it's premiering and, and what that's all about? Yeah. Um, so star girl is premiering actually tonight. Oh, there you go. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's premiering tonight on DC universe and then on CW every Tuesday. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and, yeah. and how many episodes Come is on season night. one? 13, 13 episodes. So, um, but you, this is going to play in June, right? So, and yeah, so it's CW. Yeah, this 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 is gonna yeah this is oh, gonna yeah. play in June, but let's, let's cut that part out. But 
but it, it'll still be on. It'll still yeah. be on. And, yeah, yeah, we'll cut that part out. Um, it'll, it'll, yeah. So it'll still, you know. But uh, so, how did this show? What What is the show about exactly? Um, so this show is based on the the um, the comic book um, Stars and Stripes, and um, it's Star Girl, and it's okay. It's what 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 sets this apart is the creator Jeff Johns, who's who's mm-hmm. huge in the DC world. I mean, he's created so many characters, and um, he was one of the main writers on Wonder Woman, and he's just done a ton of stuff. But this. This was the first comic he ever wrote and it's based on his sister who died. He wrote this in 99. Hey, 99. Uh, there you go. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> <laughs> um, but his sister died in a plane crash in 96. And so he wrote this based on his sister and the character is Courtney, which is his sister's name in real life. Mm-hmm. And his mom in real life's name is Barbara. And I played Barbara, which is again, the names in the, comic book and so this has been um his passion project because it was it was so personal to him and almost 20 years later now it's being or over 20 years later it's it's finally made it into being a show and and this show is really um it's fun because it's very multi-dimensional it's it's about this blended new family that moves from la to small town Nebraska to buy a house and have a somewhat normal life and send their kids to these great high schools. And, um, and they start to realize that there's a lot of darkness Uh (laughs) under the surface. And in the midst of her, my character, Barbara, she starts to work for the American dream, which is like the main company Flash factory in the in the small town and it's so idealistic and it's really about like giving you the life you want and making everything great and reinventing things and kind of going around to each town but little do you know that like the most villainous person is running the company and it just <laughs> there's so many layers of um good and evil but it's it's also fun because star girl courtney character so I play her mom, obviously, but um, Courtney starts to go to school and she, in the first episode, finds this staff and the staff has these really incredible powers that you can fly around and it can shoot off things and blow things up. And, uh-huh. <laughs> um, and she's learning how to work with it. And, and in the process of doing that, she also befriends these different characters at school um, that sort of joins her crew (laughs) of these young little superheroes and they're just fun funny characters and they all have their own powers and um and then there's fun villainous characters within the high school and and so it's 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 family but it has nostalgia to it the music in it you know there's little references back to like 80s movies and and some of the music feels that way and even the way um the character my character and Luke Wilson plays Pat, my husband, and the way that our characters are written feels a bit um, old-fashioned. So, so this is um, 
yeah, I'm just trying to think. It feels like were you? Yeah, were you, did you work with Luke Wilson? Am I crazy? Was was no, or, I worked with Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson. I was like, I knew there was a Wilson you worked with. Yeah, <laughs> but. <laughs> so, so you guys play play parents in this, and and are you guys part of the sort of supernatural component of the show as well? Um, my character is not. But okay, Luke is I see. Okay, well, it sounds like a a really cool show, and I I look forward to checking it out. Yeah, thank you. I and I it apply it, it really appeals, I think, to families that you can watch it with your kids. But I don't think it's necessarily only for kids. I think adults will really enjoy this type of show too. I mean, I, I listen. I'm, I'm a big uh, comic book fan, so I, I will definitely check it out for oh, sure. Oh, good. Okay, Phil, you better, you better email me and let me know what you really. Think. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, uh, I yeah, I'm, I'm here. Sorry, what was okay. that? Sorry, no, I'm just, here. You just went like totally blank, quiet. So I didn't. Oh no, no, no! I'm here. I'm here. Um, but I, but more than anything, I just, I want to, I want to thank you for coming on to talk about this. I, I really, really appreciate it. And, um, and I hope that you'll come back to talk about Varsity Blues and Outside Providence because I'd love to dive into those as well. I would definitely. That would be fun too. Um, especially Varsity Blues for some reason felt really pivotal. It's it's it was a very very big movie in '99. Um, not just monetarily because it did very well at the box office, but just it just feels like it's a movie that's that's stuck around that people still really love and still really talk about. And and uh, um, a lot of people you know talk about the connections between it and Friday Night Lights and what have you. But mm-hmm. um, but I would I would I would love to sort of unpack um, unpack those movies with you as well. And okay. hopefully, so that yeah. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Well, thanks for jogging me down memory lane. Of course, of course. And and I I, I really do appreciate it. And uh, I hope that we can talk again soon. Okay, Phil. Thank you so much. Thank you, Amy. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.